The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode 193 of the Book of Mormon podcast. You have the Stanfills here. That was weird. I'm used to saying Shelby and Kevin. That's right. We're unified today. We are <laughs> only the Stanfills. <laughs> We're unified always. That's right. <laughs> today, we are discussing an incredible chapter. And 35, even chapter 28. Shelby, what is so incredible about this chapter? Is this a trick question? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's the Book of Mormon, so it's always incredible. And two, this is where we learn about translation slash transfiguration. Yeah, there's some doctrine being taught in this chapter. And it's interesting. It's it's kind of it's kind of like one of those chapters that I think could definitely be glossed over. Like, oh, these are some interesting takeaways. But as always, I thought that we could dig a little deeper. And specifically, it was something that I thought was very pertinent to discuss because this podcast is for our posterity, our descendants. And one of the things that is uh, at the center of this chapter is the desires of our hearts, right? Specifically in this chapter, the desires of the three Nephites. And we'll get there. But that's kind of what I wanted to prime everybody for, these these desires. Because Shelby and I, we talk a lot about the desires that we have. And if they be righteous, then if you know we have the faith that, that they will be fulfilled in the Lord's own time. And that is a principle that is, is taught in this chapter. So I love that you brought up desires because I was reminded of that is what I felt like I learned the most on my mission, among many other things. However, I really felt that the Lord knew my heart and he knew my desires and he fulfilled them when they were impossible at the beginning of my mission. And I'll just share for posterity's sake that, you know, I wanted to go to the temple as a missionary and at the time when I first started my mission, you could not go to the temple. It wasn't allowed. You could not go. It was out of your zone. <clears throat> I'm sorry, not out of your zone. It was completely out of our mission. And anyway, long story short, halfway through the mission, we get to go to the temple. And not only did I get to go just once, I got to go twice, no, three times. So the Lord really fulfills desires of our hearts. And we see that here with the 12 and in our own lives. 
I just shared a little preview, <laughs> right? I've seen it and I've continued to see it, but the Lord definitely does know our desires and wants to help us reach them as long as they are righteous and, you know, with in line with him. Yeah. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the scriptures here. And I think it's expedient that we read the chapter heading because here is where it's it's outlined. Nine of the 12 disciples desire and are promised an inheritance in Christ's kingdom when they die. The three Nephites desire and are given power over death so as to remain on the earth until Jesus comes again. They are translated and see things not lawful to utter, and they are now ministering among men. Now that little verse or that little section may answer a question that I had about some specific verses later on. And so we'll, we'll get there specifically about the three verses, the nine and what exactly is going on with them. But in verse one, you know, and, and I guess to put the context of this chapter, you know, Jesus is about to leave for good, I guess. Well, remember, though, in the previous chapter, they were all desiring to know the name of the church, what right. they should be called. So they're still being taught by the Lord right now in what I would say, the temple. Hmm. And so they're with the Lord, let's say, in the temple. And now the Lord's asking them, you know, what do you desire? Okay, so that's a good point. I think it's probably... It's too much to to assume that this is their last visit from him. That's very good. And so, because we know from our previous reading that he visited them many times. Actually, it says often. <laughs> so, who knows if this is the last time that he visits them, but he does. And that kind of ties into some of our thoughts and discussion about is the Lord visiting the 12 today in the same manner, right? And throughout this dispensation. And he asks, in this instance, what is it that you desire of me after that I am gone to the Father? Wait, there's an important part here. Mm. It's one by one that this is done, oh. not as a group. Good catch. Yeah. Do you want to expound on that at all? I just think it's important to note that it is one on one. When you're, when you have desires, you can share them with other people, right? People that you trust and that love you. Uh, but here you are, I picture myself modern day in the celestial room, one on one with the Lord, trying to figure out, you know, are my desires your desires? Mm -hmm. And that's how I picture this here, one by one. Yeah. Well, that's really cool because as we learn, nine of them have one desire, three of them have another, but they're all, they happen to all have the same desire. You know, like, yeah, I don't know that that's very interesting. It also maybe identifies a, a first presidency, if you will there, you know, or 
you know, these three that have a higher, holier mind. And what's interesting is that what you said just then, that they're they're conversing with the Lord one on one in this interview style, and they're trying to figure out like, is this my desire or is it your desire that I feel, you know, like basically asking, is it the Holy Ghost or is it me, <laughs> right? And there's a, a great episode of conference talk that we did just recently. Shelby and I, that talks about um, the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost. Right. And specifically in that talk, President Eyring mentions, you know, when we love the Lord, we want what he wants. And I think it's safe to say that all of these 12 loved Jesus Christ. And so their desires for themselves were the desires of their Lord and Savior. Nevertheless, that is what he asks of them, what their desire of him is. And they all spake, save it were three, we desire that after we have lived unto the age of man, that our ministry, wherein thou hast called us, may have an end, that we may speedily come unto thee in thy kingdom. And he said unto them, Blessed are ye, because ye desired this thing of me. Therefore, after that ye are seventy and two years old, ye shall come unto me in my kingdom, and with me ye shall find rest. And this is an incredible blessing placed upon them. Um, I think it is akin to a calling and election made sure, uh, which Shelby and I have talked about recently. I don't think we'll go too much into that today, but you're welcome to study that on your own. And I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it in the future, but basically a, an assured exaltation, you know, because we all will receive resurrected bodies. That salvation is free. Exaltation is another matter altogether. Shelby, do you have anything to add? Yeah, two things. Uh, I read this and I underlined age of man. What's the age of man? I was like, what does that even mean? And then in verse three, he says 72 years old. So I didn't study more into that, what age of man means or signifies or what 72 means. I just noted it and I just wanted to note it here on the podcast. That could be an interesting study. So, uh, second thing I wanted to say was that um, as we're reading this, it is one by one, but this is Mormon abridging the plates correct? Yeah. Mormon's abridging plates. And he's writing this as he's read it, like condensing it right sure. um, into the most important parts. So we're seeing that, you know, these were the desire of nine of them. But really, I keep trying to picture this as one on one, like nine times the Lord's having this individual visit saying, you know, blessed are ye because of this thing to nine people separately, not as a whole. And I think that makes it more personal to me and more humanized to me. As well as when he talks in the next few verses about the uh, people who wanted the other three, who he says, what will ye that I should do unto you when I am gone unto the Father? So he still poses the same question um, and they don't even speak 
they don't want to say. And I thought that was really interesting. It says, and they sorrowed in their hearts for they durst not speak unto him the thing which they desired. And then the Lord says, behold, I know your thoughts and you desired the thing which John, my beloved, who was with me and my ministry before that I was lifted up by the Jews desired of me. So they want what John had. And what's interesting is the, the also the question there is, did they know that that was even an option, right? Did they even know that John, the beloved, had received that same blessing? And I think the, I think I'll say no, right? No, I don't no. think they did. I think it was a righteous desire of these incredibly committed disciples of Jesus Christ. And, you know, we've all throughout our lives, I think, had moments where we we certainly want to be assured that we will return to live with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, right? And we know that it's through our obedience to the commandments that that is achieved, right? But if you were one-on-one with the Lord, wouldn't you ask? Like, wouldn't you ask, like, hey, please let me let me come as quickly as possible to return to you, you know, after and, you know, on the conditions of giving my whole soul, um, although we're unprofitable servants, <laughs> even at that, but my whole soul in a ministry, right? And then these three, a little bit different, right? They love the Lord so much and their desire, which is also his desire. Otherwise, it wouldn't be fulfilled. It's for them to tarry and continue their ministry and do great and marvelous things among the children of men. And it's, it's astonishing. Like, I'm astonished just by the thought because, you know, I have to admit, I would definitely be the, hey, let me live a good life. And then please let me come speedily to the right. But then there's this, again, like I said, this, these three of these distinguished disciples with a, a holier mind and, and desire that is aligned with the will of the father and Jesus Christ. I'm going to push back on you. I don't think it's holier. I don't think it's a holier desire. I don't think it's a more distinguished mind. I don't think any of that's true. I think that any desire that you have is a righteous desire and whatever it may be, that's holy. I didn't prepare to defend my argument, but I will say that we know that there are degrees of glory. And so holy is not one plane, right? There's holy and holier and maybe holiest, <laughs> right? These, these multiple levels of, of righteousness. And there's, you know, I'm, I'm not, I guess in a way, although I'm not intending it to be like this, I guess by me saying that the three are holier, that the nine are less holy, but it, it is what it is, right? I can't, I can't make the argument that, oh, they're all equal. Because in, in my mind, in my opinion, like the desires, well. No, 
No, the desires were bigger. They're bigger asks. That's what I would say. It was a bigger ask than what would normally be asked. Okay. Like like people nowadays refer to them as like God-sized dreams. Have you ever heard that phrase? Well, I have in my coaching community. And people talk about God-sized dreams, like God-sized desires, like on your heart. And some dreams that people dream up are a lot grander than others. So I just think it's a bigger, like a, a bigger desire. It's a different desire and it's not the norm. These these three thought outside of the norm is what I would say. Sure. So, and that actually goes into an Ed Milet podcast that I was listening to earlier this <laughs> week, which was all about thinking bigger. He said, you're not thinking big enough. That's why you're not you know, where you are or where you want to be. So, so to your credit, right, these three probably understood a little bit more of the plan of salvation and the doctrine maybe to understand that that could even be an ask, right? Maybe there was just a deeper level of understanding or a deeper level, level of conversion. Uh, but in my opinion, all the desires are, are great no matter what. Sure. Right. They're all holy. Yeah. But some are holier. No, I listen. We're not. We're at an impasse. Okay, we're not going to get there tonight. <laughs> That's but, fine. We can talk about it more later. And hey, those of you listening, you know, pitch in your thoughts. Send us a message. Be like, Kevin, you're completely wrong. Shelby's right as always. Or, or, or I'm wrong. And the thing is, like, well, this is you're getting a little insight into a Kevin and Shelby conversation uh, that doesn't always happen on the podcast. So. These are like our normal conversations we have about the gospel a lot is going back and forth. So anyway, moving on from that, right? That let that be what it is. Um, They are granted this desire that they had. And I think it's awesome. Mm. (laughs) And we also get a little bit of in. Well, let's go to verse nine if we can for just a second. He's talking about what will happen to them, um, like their bodies or what they'll experience. Which, if I may, mm-hmm. is really, it's a very human thing. So, like, certainly they would want to know, okay, it's it's going to happen, but how is it going to happen? Or, like, mm-hmm. what effects on my body are there going to be? Like, certainly... If I'm if I'm gonna be old, you know, if I'm am I gonna be old and then like are people gonna be able to tell I'm old? Right. All these questions come into your mind. Certainly because of my desires, I can't be like decrepit and old. (laughs) But then again, you have these old men lead leading the church now and older women, and their bodies are sometimes renewed, right? And and kind of um what's the word uh, that I'm looking for? Like the, their longevity is increased because the Lord has more work for them to do. And so they're sustained longer. They're supported. longer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the word now. So I don't think it's necessarily like, Oh, these, and we know that the three Nephites, certainly they have to have some ability. I don't want to say ability to change their appearance, but I think that the Holy ghost is helping them in some way. And well, actually, it talks about it. it. Talks about being changed, right? And so we'll let you go through that, and we'll kind of speculate because we can only speculate 
like 99% of what we are going to talk about when it comes to the three Nephites is all speculation because we only know like a very small amount. We just, we just know that, well, let's continue and we'll say what we know, but then there's a lot of things that we don't know. Okay. (laughs) So if I can just say, (laughs) I love you, babe, but everything that we read are things that we know. Yes. But then there's also all of these questions like, well, how do they, live all this time and nobody's like hey this guy is like 90 years old but he he doesn't look 90 or do they look old are they old men or do they have the ability to change and certainly like depending on what role they play throughout the history of the world i mean mm-hmm. yeah are they going to appear the same from eon to eon like i don't know well let's let's read because i do think there are things here that we do know that answer those questions yes so he says start let's start in verse eight because that's really where it starts he said you shall never endure the pains of death but when i shall come in my glory right you shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye from mortality to immortality so we know that there's some element of mortality one to like still with them and um, you shall be blessed in the kingdom of thy father and again you shall have you shall not have pain while you dwell in the flesh neither sorrows they're not going to suffer pain or sorrow which are things that usually come with mortality save it be for the sins of the world so they will be able to fill the the sorrow of the wickedness and the sins that are taking place at whatever time period they are in right um And I like this little side note he gives here. And all this will I do because of the thing which ye have desired of me. Mm -hmm. Just another testimony to me that the Lord knows our desires and will grant them as they are in line with his. And then he states their desire. For ye have desired that ye might bring the souls of men unto me while the world shall stand. So he's addressing the intent behind their desire. You know, they're not desiring to never taste death because they don't want to die. Right. It's because of this, I'll say it again, this holier (laughs) desire to continue the ministry. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything about that because you know how I feel. But yes. Um, And then at the that's kind of what we learn about their bodies, per se, right here. We do learn some more in verses like. 15 16 we'll pick up more later but i that's what we see right now and then as a result after it says and for this cause in verse 10 you shall have fullness of joy and you shall sit down in the kingdom of my father yea your joy shall be full even as the father hath given me fullness of joy and you shall be even as i am and i am even as the father and the father and i are one so i wrote what is the fullness of joy And then it answers that and says, being one with the Father, the Spirit, and the Holy Ghost. So this is like the reward that, not reward, but what comes at the end of their desire and ministry. Yeah, I like that. I like that distinction. It's not the reward for their desire. Right. It is a consequence of their desire. Correct. Yeah. And... You know, yes, they they won't have pains 
and and death, but they will have sorrow, which God has sorrow, right? So that's it's a it. I just think it's a super important distinction that we understand that you know here is this perfect God and and His Son, who's also a perfect God. Their joy is described as being full. And yet they also can experience sorrow. And so now their sorrow is different than ours. Um, it has, it's the result of, you know, our sin that causes them sorrow. But, you know, not, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily prepare to talk about this either, but, you know, Adam and Eve, as they fell, they also took upon them sorrow. You know, they started to experience sorrow. And that's interesting because in the garden, they didn't have those issues. They didn't have these, these difficult emotions to deal with. And then in the world, they did. And apparently that's, that's something that will persist. That's going to be a continual thing. Um, as we progress, throughout the eternities, we will, we will have that sorrow, but it's expedient that we do. And just to wrap up my thought here on earth, it's expedient that we have sorrow because it, it pushes us to try and survive and do the things we need to do and, and reconcile ourselves, not only with God, but our fellow man. And then in the eternities, that sorrow will lead us in different pursuits i don't like i said i don't know exactly what those will be or exactly what they will be i have inklings but not enough to discuss today if i can i i love that thought i also want to jump back since we were talking about the bodies i want to just jump ahead to the verses that continue to talk about their bodies so we can yeah that sounds good stay on the same playing field here i would like that too because then i want to cross-reference yes. over to the Book of Mormon student manual. Yeah. And yeah, I think that makes the most sense. So we're still, I loved what you said about sorrow, by the way, and and how that is always a part of our journey. We've learned that here, a doctrine. And here's what we know. So Mormon, when he's writing this, he's like, I don't really know like what, what their bodies look like. <laughs> kind of what me and Kevin were talking about earlier, right? Right. How does this look like? And he inquires of the Lord about it. And the Lord tells him in verse um, 37, he says, He hath made it manifested to me that there must needs be a change wrought upon their bodies, or else it needs be that they must taste of death. Because remember, we just learned that they're not going to taste of death until, you know, the resurrection. And it, let's read 38. Therefore, they might not taste of death. There was a change wrought upon their bodies that they might not suffer pain nor sorrow, save it were the sins of the world. And 39, now this change was not equal to that which shall take place at the last day, but there was a change wrought among them, insomuch that Satan could have no power over them, that he could not tempt him, and they were sanctified in the flesh, that they were holy, and that the powers of earth could not hold them. And that's the state that they remain in until the judgment day. It says that in verse 40. And then they'll receive that greater change to enter into the kingdom of God and go no more out. 
And so that, my friends, is called translation. Um, Translated by definition in the Guide to the Scriptures says, Persons who are changed so that they do not experience pain or death until their resurrection to immortality. So that definition is like seen throughout verses 8 and 37 and 38, what I just read about being translated. So the three Nephites are translated beings who only feel the sorrows of the sins for the world, but Satan has no power over them and they cannot die or be afflicted from from anything of this fallen nature on the earth. So that is that is what happened to their bodies. What we do know happened. Now, can they eat? Like, can they like all these little things? Like, what do they look like? Do they change from you know era to era? I don't know. <laughs> that's for that's the speculation we're talking about. Uh, but from from the scriptures, we know these things, and I'm sure the Lord's got it worked out in between that because He can, they can also reveal themselves unto whosoever it seemeth good by first calling upon Christ, if that's okay. So that's another thing that if if it's a righteous desire of a saint, like somebody who is, you know, following the Savior and his gospel, they could possibly reveal that they're a, one of the three Nephites to them. Uh, right. But it does have to, I would say, kind of be improved through Jesus Christ first. So, you know, there is an order to things and that order is important. Because we know God's a God of order, a.k.a. the priesthood, right? Everything is done through his priesthood. Anyway, side note, Kevin, go ahead. No, actually, that that explained everything that I wanted to kind of cross-reference. You you actually went over to this, the guide to the scriptures, and that was what I was going to do from the manual. There is... There's more. There's more. <laughs> so, after these changes are described, there's a change that goes, that they undergo, and it's described here in this account. And so, in verse 12, if, as we resume our place uh, chronologically, and it came to pass that when Jesus had spoken these words, he touched every one of them with his finger, save it were the three who were to tarry, and then he departed. Now this is where it gets a little dicey and I've I read it a couple times and I don't necessarily know who he's talking about specifically here. Okay? And when I say he, I mean Mormon or the author of this account. And so it says in in verse um 13. This is after he touches nine of them which i was i wondered why did he not touch the three hmm. right but then it says in verse 13 and behold the heavens were opened and they were caught up into heaven and saw and heard unspeakable things is this the three or is it all of them what if it's just the nine well that and that's also like i don't understand what? and then Let's keep reading in verse 14. And it was forbidden them that they should utter, neither was it given unto them power that they could utter the things which they saw and heard. 
and whether they were in the body or out of the body, they could not tell. For it did seem unto them like a transfiguration of them, that they were changed from this body of flesh into an immortal state, that they could behold the things of God. That is a def- that is the definition of being transfigured. It's undergoing a temporary change in order to withstand or be in the presence of holy beings or God himself. But it came to pass that they did again minister upon the face of the earth. Nevertheless, they did not minister of the things which they had heard and seen because of the commandment which was given them in heaven. Hmm. And now, in verse 17, whether they were mortal or immortal from the day of their transfiguration, I know not. (laughs) So this Mormon is saying, like, I don't really know exactly what's going on there either. But this much I do know, according to the record which hath been given, they did go forth upon the face of the land and did minister unto all the people, uniting as many to the church as would believe in their preaching, baptizing them, and as many as were baptized did receive the Holy Ghost. This, I feel, implies that it's talking about all of them. Right, because they all go forth to continue their ministry, mm-hmm. and they it, he goes on and he explains some of the things that they they were um, they endured they endured. Thank you. The things that they endured, uh, being cast into prison, and yet the prisons could not hold them, for they were rent in twain. They were cast down into into the earth, and but they did smite the earth with the word of God insomuch that by his power, they were delivered out of the depths of the earth. I feel like that's like being buried alive or something like that. They were also cast into fire. They were cast into dens of wild beasts, but they were never hurt. (laughs) Right. They were always delivered because I, I don't want to like speculate here, but you keep going, actually. You keep you keep going with what you're going to say. No, um, it only it's this one last verse, verse 23. I'll read it. And it came to pass that thus they did go forth among all the people of Nephi and did preach the gospel of Christ unto all people upon the face of the land. And they were converted unto the Lord and were united unto the church of Christ. And thus the people of that generation were blessed according to the word of Jesus. What were you going to say? So they were transfigured, and we know what that means. And so moving on to these verses, when verse 17, he says, I know not whether they were mortal or immortal, right? We know that in verses 37 and 38, there had to be a change in their body or else they were going to taste death. So I think they were translated. I think all of them were probably translated. And the change that happened, the differences between the three and the nine is that, you know, when they reach 72 years old, they are then received up unto the Lord, like in the twinkling of an eye, right? And the three then get to stay and live longer. That's what I think happened. And I do think this is all of them. I don't think it's nine versus three or three and then nine. I think it's all of them serving the Lord. And ministering. Thank you. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Just just a thought. 
because I think it's so cool. This to me is just a testimony of the Book of Mormon and that this was written by prophets and compiled by Mormon because we literally see him say in verse 17, I know not, like, I don't know. And then in the same verse, or sorry, same chapter, we see him say, but then I asked the Lord and here's what he told me. Like, it's just so cool because that's how scripture study goes for me half the time. I'm in the beginning of a verse or a chapter and I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. And then I keep reading. I'm like, oh, there, there's what it means. And so it's just, it works. The same thing happens for me. So it just, it's, it lights me on fire because I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. This is how it works for me too. Obviously, it's how it works for all of us. So, And, and uh, yes. I like that you added that at the end. It's how it works for all of us. And, you know, sometimes we're going to struggle with the scriptures. Sometimes we're, we're not understanding something, but as we, as we diligently feast, right? Sometimes that, that big old steak of scripture is a bit tough to chew. And we're like, eh, I don't even know if I want to chew this thing. But then as we continue to mull it over, right? Um, and and figure it out and maybe look to some other reputable or recognized resources. And if, you know, nothing else, we should be praying about what we read in the scriptures, not only to validate their truth, but to first obtain a testimony that they're true and then to help liken them to our day and our situation. And that way we can receive the spiritual power that comes from the scriptural nutrients in the food. So I'm I'm going, I'm going hard on this feasting on the scriptures metaphor, but uh, thanks for bearing with me on that. So Mormon makes an account and he's, he's about to write the three, well, not the three names. I don't know. Whatever names they were, he's about to write them down to say who they were. And the Lord goes, nope, you're not going to write them. He says it in 25, but the Lord forbade, therefore I write them not, for they are hid from the world. But he says, but behold, I have seen them and they have ministered unto me. So Mormon, okay? Mormons are bridging this several hundred, hundred years? I don't know. I'm guessing. How many years have gone by from this? point yeah i mean it's 400 years it's gonna be close to 400 years if not a little bit more so several hundred years have obviously went by and he's seen them and that's where we get that principle in 30 where it talks about how um it says and they are all angels of god and if they shall pray unto the father in the name of jesus they can show themselves unto whosoever man is seen at them good so obviously mormon is one of those people and just to correct your slip of the tongue maybe they are as the angels of God. But oh, they're yeah, not. sorry. You said Thank they're you. all angels of God, but. Yeah, it's they are as the angels of God. Thank you. And this is interesting too. Verse 27, it says, And behold, they will be among the Gentiles, and the Gentiles shall know them not. And they shall be among the Jews, and the Jews shall know them not. Which is literally everybody, the house of Israel. And And what I love about that is that they... They are fulfilling, I believe, the the purpose of the Book of Mormon, right? They they're like they embody that purpose to go to both Gentile and Jew and to gather Israel. And I don't know at what level they do it, 
right? I don't know if they get into positions of power or if it's more humble, you know, circumstance of, of going, you know, as, as a nomadic, you know, preachers. And I think it's changed throughout history, right? Certainly dur- during the years of apostasy, then they have to lay low. But then they also find ways to teach and bring people unto Christ, you know, in, in small and simple ways. And then in the latter days, surely they're able to, you know, when so many people know of Jesus Christ, certainly they have a, a better track record of bringing people unto Christ and unifying, uh, unifying the people. But again, that's where we speculate. We don't know exactly the details of their ministry. Well, 31 says, therefore, great and marvelous work shall be wrought by them before the great incoming day when all people must surely stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So I take that as anything good, they can encourage good in anybody. And that leads them closer to Christ is them working a great and marvelous work. I would agree. So it could be inspiring somebody to create something like electricity, right? And I'm not saying that he inspired the great electricity, but I'm just, or they inspired. I also wonder, this is just me speculating, are they together? Are they separate? Do they, all three of them stick together? Or do no. they all go the same way? No, they have to split up. I mean, I, I would think, but I don't think. I guess Sons and Mosiah split up, so that would make sense. Anyway. That's, so, like that's I said, cool. there's 99% that we don't know. We only know a tiny, tiny bit about them. And we, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out one day. But Yeah, dude, what about their wives? <laughs> I don't think. Well, it, it talks about them being as ministering angels. And that's, and I think we can assume that they, they are not married. Or like their wives, they probably were married, you know, during their mortality. And then... They go on and they'll they'll be reunited with them later. Interesting. Anyway. But anyway, the a couple more things. It does talk about how there's there's no way that we would know all the things that they've done. They've done so many things and they will do so many things. And here's what's interesting. Mormon takes the time to detail the consequences of not hearkening unto the servants of God. And, you know, I think the reason that he felt impressed to do that is because if God feels that it's, it's expedient to have men be you know sustained <laughs> uh, for long periods of time even until the coming of Christ then their their actions and their words they're really important right they're as servants of of God and as as messengers of Christ their words are so important 
And he he goes on, he says in verse 34, And woe be unto him that will not hearken unto the words of Jesus, and also to them whom he hath chosen and sent among them. For whoso receiveth not the words of Jesus, and the words of those whom he hath sent, receiveth not him. And therefore he will not receive them at the last day. And this is often, it's said enough in the scriptures, I'm going to say it's often said, and it's such a bold thing to say. It says, and it would be better for them if they had not been born. For do ye suppose that ye can get rid of that justice or of the justice of an offended God who has been trampled under feet of men, that thereby salvation might come? So, it's just crazy. Um, I, I'll say it a third time for, for emphasis. It's so important that we listen to the prophets and the apostles and the chosen, the chosen voices that cry uh, all throughout time. You know, those that cry from the dust in the scriptures, those who also cry today in, in our modern times. And they, they bring accountability, right? I think that's also kind of something that we don't think about. Like the three Nephites, as they're going forth and teaching and ministering, you know, they're bringing an accountability and, and they're ensuring a righteous judgment for many people who could say at the last day, well, I didn't know. Well, no, <laughs> I had, I had special witnesses. All throughout time, even in times when the church didn't exist or wasn't established, I had those three and they went forth. Again, three being a number that is symbolic of divinity, right? So think about the purpose of the three Nephites. And uh, it's less about, oh, an interesting little doctrine or like fun fact that there's the three Nephites and they're going around doing something. No, there's a wise purpose that, that God did that. So that's it. That's, uh, I think we actually covered every single verse in this chapter. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we did. Yeah. I don't think we, we even summarized the ones about like the things that they did when they ministered. Right. So that's kind of crazy. There's always more. Of so course. go read the scriptures yourself. All right, y'all. We will see you next week on the Book of Mormon podcast. Bye, y'all. My dear brothers and sisters, I promise that as you prayerfully study the Book of Mormon every day, you will make better decisions every day. I promise that as you ponder what you study, the windows of heaven will open and you will receive answers to your own questions and direction for your own life.